0: Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. We of a series called Jonah. You know, a lot of times if you go to a church and you go into the kids' ministry area, there's some classroom painted with a big whale about to eat a dude. It's sometimes uh, kind of pushed out to a kid story. It is not a kid story. It is brilliantly written. It is a wonderful story. And I'm telling you what, when the people of Israel read this book, they were so shocked and so challenged and had to wrestle so hard with this book. This book was a total shift in the way that they thought about life and the thought about the world around them and the way they thought about God. It is unbelievable. So... Let me do something real quick, though. Let me save uh, save marriages, because that's what I do here at New Beginnings. I save marriages. There's a couple in our church, and uh, if there's one couple, there's at least five of you, and they were arguing over whether Jonah was a real story or whether it was just allegory, and you know what? It caused a huge fight, and so I'm like, you know what the point is? It has nothing to do with the fish. So if you if you believe this is real, that's okay. You can believe that. Some people believe it's real because Matthew chapter 12, Jesus is having a conversation, and he references a story, and so people think, well, Jesus thought it was real. And if Jesus thought it was real and Jesus, you know, again, if you can, if you can predict your own death and resurrection and pull it off, I'll just believe whatever you say. That's a decent way to live life, right? Like, okay, if you can do that, I'll just believe you. And so some people think that because Jesus referenced the story that it must be real. Other people, a lot of scholars don't believe it's real. They look at the way it was written and the style. And the if you compare it to the way the other prophets wrote, it was clearly written in a story format. And normally whenever there's a, a, a fish eating people or, or, you know, that's like, okay, there's probably some storytelling here. It's probably ancient storytelling. So but whatever you believe, it doesn't matter because that's not the point. The point of the story has nothing to do with a fish. It is a radical shift in the way that you see the world around you and particularly the way that you see God. That's the point of the story, and it is so good. And the way that it works is this. I'll give you the breakdown. It is so easy to read Jonah. So if you, this week, if you're a little bored, go open your Bible, go to the book of Jonah. Now, good luck if you can find it, right? If you have thumb tabs, you have a shot, or if you're digital, you'll be able to do it, right? If you just go to Bible Gateway and you type in Jonah. But if you have a real Bible... You better start searching right now, okay, is what I'm saying, because that thing is hard to find. But it's only four chapters. It's really, really small. You can probably read the whole thing in about 20 minutes. Chapter 1 works like this. Jonah's told to go preach to the city of Nineveh, but he says no and runs in the absolute opposite direction. Uh, by the end of chapter 1, he gets thrown into the ocean. And a fish swallows him up, and then in, in the belly of the fish he prays a beautiful prayer. And chapter 2 is just one big prayer. Chapter 3, he gets spit out onto the dry land. He goes to Nineveh, and he preaches the most boring sermon in the world. And then they repent. And then chapter 4 is really where you get to the meat of the story, which is the whole point of the whole thing. And it is awesome. Everybody say, But. That'll be a couple weeks. We'll, we'll get there. Today, I just want to look at the opening part of the book of Jonah. So this week, go read it if you get a chance. And it doesn't matter if you if you think it's real or not think it's real because um, that's ridiculous. Right? That's where Christians, Christians can be so weird sometimes. Can't they? Christians ever get on your nerves sometimes? Like, I'm a pastor, you know? I just, but yeah, it's like, well, wait a minute. Do you think really you're going to get to the pearly gates of heaven? St. Peter's going to be like, wait, did you think Jonah was real or not real? And that's the determining factor. It's not. It doesn't matter. Uh, Jesus said that actually the way that you treat one another is the most important thing. He said when we separate sheep from goats, it's all about, hey, did you, did you feed the poor? You know, did you love your neighbor? Did you clothe the naked? How did you treat people around you? That was the most important thing. And so that's what we really care about here at New Beginnings. But for the sake of Jonah, it is a great story. And so here's, here's what the story is really about. If you're taking notes, the story is ultimately this. It's a message that says you can run from God, but you cannot outrun God. And that is a wonderful thing because Jonah's story is actually a lot like our story. You, you may not feel that right now because you've never, how many like fishing? Just the thought of being on a boat makes me nauseous because I got invited out to go fishing a couple times and people would offer me uh, some type of like pill to take and I'd be like, no, 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 I'm cool. And then I get out on the boat, and it was like super bad weather, and literally me and my buddy Steve are hurling over the side of the boat before a very short period. So I don't like boats, so I just have this thing where I don't relate to Jonah, but you will relate to Jonah in this, in that we are all runners. We all have a season of our life where you lace up them new balances, you put them on tight, and you go running in the opposite direction from where God wants you to go. So there's general running, right? So there's, there's this big idea of like, your whole life is kind of running. Many of you have this as your story, right? Like you, maybe you how many of you raised in church as a kid? You went to church when you were a kid? Watch this, okay. For y'all, this is definitely going to be the case. You hit high school and you got smart, right? You're like, why'd you fail your grade? My teacher's stupid. You got smart. And you got smarter than God smarter than your parents and smarter than church and you got, you got experimental with some things and you started running and you stopped going to church maybe in your early twenties or whatever and you're like, oh, I'm kind of done. I'm kind of done with the church thing and the God thing. And you went running and your whole life was running. And your story is just like Jonah's story that when you run, you are running from God. But in reality, you can't actually outrun God. Here's the other way that we run. And this might fit some of us. There's just some specific running. You wouldn't say, Todd, my whole life is me running, right? But you have like an area, you have a thing where you're like, well, I don't run completely Todd. I'm here today. But you got like an area of your life, you know, like where all of a sudden God challenges you and you were like, no, 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 that's mine. Like, you know, God starts challenging about how you date and how you treat the opposite sex and how you handle that. You're like, yeah, 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 God, I got that. I'd like this whole salvation thing, but I'd like to date how I want to date, right? And you're like, you got that one. Or finances, that's another big area. Everybody struggles with that. Like, God, you have my heart. I'll do whatever you want, but don't touch my wallet. I got that. Don't worry. And so we have specific little areas where we're like, no, God, I've got this. And so you're running. And maybe you don't even feel like it's running. In your mind, you're like, well, I'm avoiding, right? Because I don't even like running, right? Like me and my wife don't run. My wife doesn't run because of medical reasons. It's bad for her knees. I don't run for personal reasons. I personally dislike running. I think that's why God gave us the ability to invent cars. It is way more efficient than running. And you know, there's that Bible verse in, in, in Proverbs 28.1. Have you read this verse? So you should consider this if you're a runner. Proverbs 28.1 says, Only the wicked run when no one's chasing them. So... So maybe you should, so you don't feel like you're a runner. Maybe you're just an avoider, right? That's what I would say. I'm not like Jonah. I don't run places. I just avoid. I avoid God's voice in my life or I just, I, I tune God out a little bit, but it's all in the ca- classification of you're running. You're running from God. And so he, here's the other thing too. This is what I've noticed. This is after just me loving people and connecting people and counseling people is uh, we all run for roughly the same reasons. Right? We have, whether it's specific running or general running, we all run for the same reasons. For example, we think we'll just miss out on something good. You look at like this thing, this principle of wisdom in scripture, and you're like, no, because if I do that, my life won't be as much fun. Like, I, I just, I'll miss out on something that's really, really good, and what you don't know is, is that God has this Incredible insight into how life actually works and unfolds and so what you end up doing is is that you end up partaking in immediate happiness and you end up sacrificing long-term joy and contentment does that does that make anybody got a yeah when you think about your life you're like yeah, yeah I remember that I traded in the immediate but I lost out on the long term because I thought I was convinced I'd missed that on something good. Here's another one that we just don't trust God. We read things and we're like, I don't know. I'm not sure about that. Here's another one. We think we're smarter than God. We look at certain things and we're like, well, look, that's an ancient book. That's dumb. That's, you don't know what it's like to live now in the insta world. Like, come on. Let's, and here's another one. Sometimes we run because we confuse God with church or, or church people or church leaders. You ever ever done that? You go to church. I see this all the time. It pains me. So I make it a point to like try to never be a part of anybody's painful story. Like that's a goal, like dodge that bullet, Todd. Never, ever, ever be the cause of somebody's harm and Todd, never be a part of their story why they left church because you did something dumb or you were rude or you were whatever. So I try to avoid that like the plague, but sometimes we do that. We go to church and then a bad leader does something, a dumb church member does something, you perceive some type of bad experience and all of a sudden you equated God with church and you're like, I don't want anything to do with that. And the reality is this, is that, that church is full of dysfunctional people. Can I get an amen? Like we're here, right? So like, it's clearly full of dysfunctional people. You're going to run into bad leaders and bad people and weird situations and whatever, but that has nothing to do with the goodness of God. And so what you want to do is just kind of like recognize, man, I've been running from God and I was running for all the wrong reasons. And some of you are like, some of you are wondering right now, like who emailed me? How did he know? How did Todd, now, if you were like, how does he know this? How, why is he talking directly to me right now? I'm not. We're all the same. We are all runners and we all run for the same reasons. But the beauty of it is, is that even though we're all running, you can't actually outrun God. Do you know why? Because wherever you go, there he is because God dearly loves you. He's invested in you. He's all in on you. And if you run, it's okay. He'll be there when you get there. And when you run back, he'll be there when you get there too. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. We all run for the same reasons. And so anyway, but in light of that, let's dive into Jonah and the story of this guy who's trying to run from God. So if you have your Bible, open up to Jonah chapter one, again, good luck finding it. I wish you the best. Um, if you don't have your Bible or just can't find it and you, you if you really don't want to embarrass yourself just open up to the to the middle part of where like uh, Malachi and Matthew hit and then hang a left and then if you don't find it just leave it open and no one will know and you can just read it on the screens. And so Jonah chapter 1, verse number 1 says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah the son of that guy, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up Before me. So this right here, verse 1, sets the tone for why this book was written. God is going to use this book to challenge the people of Israel. I want you to radically change the way that you see the world. See, you think God just loves Insiders. You think God is just about Israel, or God is just about church people, or God's just about Christians, or God's just about the, the believers and whatever. He said, what you need to know is this, is that God is thinking about everybody. God has His mind on the whole world. And not even just like the whole world, because like, there's good people and bad people out in the world. No bad people. Because Nineveh was terrible. Nineveh was the capital city of Assyria. Assyria is this, this kind of like military power that dominated the northern kingdom of Israel and ransacked them and took them off as slaves and dominated them in battle. These people were so wicked and evil. They had figured, check this out, they had figured out a way. They're like the first people group that figured out how to skin somebody and keep them alive. Like they were terrible. They were awful human beings. And you know what God's saying? I love them too. Now, I don't know that we've got that right now, you know, that it comes to your mind, but like there are certain like religious groups and God loves them too. And there are certain like political groups and God loves them too. And there are certain people of a certain sexuality and God loves them too. And God's like, whatever you can think about that would be evil or wicked or terrible or not good or not righteous. Just remember God is thinking about them too. God cares about them too. That's the whole point of the whole story. So let's, let's keep reading. So. I said, go to this great city of Nineveh, preach against it, because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah, everybody say, but. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. Now, let me, let me explain what they're saying here, because we don't have a map. Okay, so Israel is, is in one spot, and Nineveh is like to the north, about 500 miles, right? North, northeast. Tarshish is on like the southern coast of Spain. It was probably their way of saying this, like you can think of the farthest city that we know of in the known world, that's where I'm going, right? Because they didn't know what was past Spain. They're like, but Spain's the farthest I can get away from God, from his plan to help these people, save these people, preach to these people, and I'm running as far as I possibly can. It was 2,500 miles in the opposite direction. So sometimes you say no to God. Jonah said no, right? Like that's how big of a no this is. And so anyway, it says, so, so Jonah ran away from the Lord, headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa. Ever say down. He went down to Joppa where he found himself a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. Insight number one is this. The first insight into runners, and this is what we do when we run. When we run from God, there are three things that almost always happen, or at least one of them is happening. And this is the first thing that happens to Jonah. People running from God run to the dumbest places. Can I get an amen? And not that Tarshish is bad. It's probably beautiful. They, have, they Maybe they have wonderful beaches. I don't know. But let me tell you what you don't do. Whenever you're running from God, don't go to dangerous places. Because think about it. If you're running from God, what's the most unsafe thing that you can get on? A boat. Never get on a boat. Look, if you're in rebellion, don't go bungee diving. Like, don't go skydiving. Don't get on a boat. You need to get a Snuggie and, like, get inside and hunker down. Like, that's what you need to do. Never get on a boat. Never go into a dangerous place. But that's what we do. You ever notice that? And, And again, if you're reflecting on your life, think about your life and say, when I was running, think about what I did. I typically went to the dumb places in life. This is why when we get on the other side of those things, or maybe we return to God or stop running from God, we look back and we say, what was I thinking? You ever done that before? You ever look back on a past relationship and be like, what was I thinking? And don't look at your current husband or anything like that. Just what What was, or or think about it like other people. Just think of other, because it's easier to see other people. You ever seen somebody who was running from God and in the midst of their running, you're like, you're dating who? You started what? You went to where? You were, what would you, and again, it's clear to you but it's not clear to them because sometimes when we when we start running, we put on blinders and we just end up being um, in the wrong place at the wrong time with the wrong people. And again, it's, it's so clear to everybody else around you, but it's not clear to you. As a matter of fact, let me just say something real quick here. If you're single out here, just wink at me real quick. You don't raise your hand because then people will be like. But just, you know, if you're single out here, let me give you a piece of advice. And you might not listen to me. That's okay. But at least I'll have given it to you. If you're single and you're running from God. Never get married when you're on the run. Like, never do that. Never, never be like, hey, I'm running right now. Go get married. Don't do that. I mean, date it out. Weather the storm. Do not get married when you're running. There's some nervous laughter up in here. Let's keep going. So that's just insight number one is that people, when they're running from God, they run to the dumbest places. Here's here's insight number two. People running from God begin to unravel and self-destruct. That's the story of Jonah as we're going to read this first chapter here in just a second. That's what you're going to find is that everything about his life begins to unravel and begins to have mess. As a matter of fact, there's a literary device that the author uses where he actually repeats the same word. So he literally says that when when Jonah went on the run, that he went down to the city and he went down to Tarshish. And then he went down into the boat and then he went down to the deepest parts of the boat. and so then he laid down to go to sleep. What is he saying? He's just messing with you. He's like, your life's your life's going down. If you're running from God, there's just something in a negative spiral about your life. And so that's just the nature of it. And the reason why is this. It's simply because when you run from God, you run from wisdom. Have you ever noticed that? Like, think about it. Christ is our wisdom. The scriptures give us wisdom. And so when you run from God, you're actually running from wisdom itself. That's why, have you ever noticed this too? Have you ever noticed when you're running and you get done running or you return from running, you look at your bank account and your financial statements and you're like, whoo, what was I thinking. Sometimes we make purchases or we take trips or we do things financially and we end up again, having just mess in the area of our life. You think about it in your marriage, you take a season of your life where you're running and then see how it affected your marriage, your kid problems. And, and you, again, you say like, how could I have been so blind? How could I have not seen that? Well, the, the reason why you couldn't see it was is because when you're running, you're actually running from wisdom itself. Here's another when You run from God, you run from unconditional love and acceptance. You ever notice that? Like when you are actually close to God in, in in proximity, you're close to God in your heart, you're close to God in your relationship with him, there's a, there's a void that gets filled. Like I feel a sense of fullness and wholeness and security. So God's meeting a need that no other human can meet. But then when I run from God, you run away from that. So you end up with a little bit of a hole in the soul. You end up with a little bit of a, a void and an emptiness there. And so what you do is you try to fill it with people. This is why we were talking earlier about like why is it that when you're running you end up with the wrong person. It's because, well, you ran from unconditional love and acceptance. And as you ran from that, you were like, well, I need a fix. I need to be loved. I need to have that thing filled up. And so you were, you were looking for love. Yeah, y'all know that song. I don't even need to finish it. And so, so again, and then, and then thirdly, when you run, for, by the way, looking for love in all the wrong places if you were born after 1990, I'm sorry. So when you run from God, you run from your purpose, right? Like, God is the creator. You are the creation. Do you know what dictates the purpose of any creation? It's the designer, right? Like, the designer comes up with a blueprint and a thought, and this, so he, de- he designed something with purpose in mind, right? And when you run from your creator and you run from God, you're literally running from purpose itself. And so that's another reason why you seem to, like, get into the dumb things, get into the wrong things, get into bad things, seem to be so unsatisfied and so unfulfilled. It's because, well, you were actually running from your purpose. Now, here's the third insight that we're going to see when we read the story, which is this. Is that people running from God, and this is tough, people running from God always hurt the people around them. Ever knows that? No need for amens. Just, when we run from God, what happens is, is that you have to recognize that although you're running, you've got a, a spouse next to you. You've got kids around you. You, you, You're going to literally carry some people with you into that hurt. Your spouse will take a hit. Your kids will take a hit. You know what I'm talking about. You, If you've ever had a season of life where you ran from God, you ran from his wisdom, you ran from his purpose for your life, you're like, man, I ended up with carnage around me. It literally began to hurt those around me. Everybody say, but. But the cool part of the story that we're going to see in just a second here as we read the story is this. Is that God never quits. Like, that's the grace of God. You can run. You can't outrun him. God does not quit on you. God does ne- God never says, well, I guess that's it. I'll move on. I guess I'm done with so-and-so. Forget them. I don't need them, and I'm just going to move on. No, 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 no. God doesn't quit on you. It's almost like th- this is similar to the story of the prodigal son. Like, the prodigal son chooses to reject the father, chooses to run off into dumb places and do dumb things with dumb people. He does all the markers of a runner. And you know what happens is, is that as he returns, God's just waiting, patiently waiting. Because God doesn't force you, but he waits. And as God waits, as soon as the son returns, what happens? The father's like, no, no, no. Get that kid a new coat. Put a new pair of shoes on him. We're bringing him in. Let's throw a party. We're doing this tonight. Because God never quits on you. That is the beauty of God's grace. He did not quit on Jonah, even when Jonah ran. And he didn't quit on Nineveh, even though they were wicked. So this is how the story goes. Are you ready? Verse number four. So so remember, Jonah runs in the opposite direction. We saw what happens to runners. and Now we'll see it unfold. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid. Now, how many know that's a bad sign? Right? These are people that live on the boat. When the sailor's afraid, you should be afraid. Airplanes are the same way, right? You look at the flight attendants. If they're scared, you should be scared. If they're not scared, it's okay. You're gonna make it, right? So that's, that's, all the sailors are afraid. So they cry out to their own God. These aren't Israelites. These are pagans. These are people worshiping who knows what. And so they start throwing the cargo into the sea so they can lighten the ship. But Jonah, had gone down below deck where he lay and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, well, how can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Like everybody's calling in right now. Everybody's cashing that ship. Everybody's making that phone call. Maybe he'll take notice of us so that we don't perish. And then the sailors said to each other, come, let us cast lots. Now here's what casting lots is. Casting lots is like rolling the device, the dice or, or checking out a Ouija board, right? It was this kind of like old school, ancient way of trying to get God to speak, Right? And it's funny because God's, you know, God actually humors them and tells them <laughs> through this weird means of casting lots or rolling the dice, come, let us roll the dice to find out who is responsible for this calamity. And the lot fell to Jonah. Can you imagine you're on a boat, you're throwing your cargo over, which is the reason why you were on the ship, right? You were on the ship to like transport cargo. You threw it overboard. You're about to die. And then all of a sudden God's like, it's that guy. What do you do with that guy? Watch. So they asked him, tell us who's responsible for all this trouble. What kind of work do you do? I'm a runner. Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? And he answered, well, I'm a Hebrew and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven who made the sea. So, you know, this sea that's gone crazy, the sea that's about to kill us. Yeah, that God, the one that made that God, that's the one I'm with. And the dry land, which is apparently where I should have stayed with a Snuggie and Netflix and just hunkered down, but I was dumb and I got on a boat. So verse 10, this terrified the sailors and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. The sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked, what should we do to you to make the sea calm down for us? That's what you do. What do I need to do to you? to get God to help me in this situation. So again, Jonah realizes his running from God is now futile. Like he's backed himself into a corner. Like he has nowhere to go. His running brought this on. Remember, it was God that that, that sent the storm. That's the point of the story, right? No, no, no. God didn't quit on you. And here's the beauty of it, is that God didn't send this storm to pay you back. God sent this storm to bring you back. And people who can recognize the difference, they look back into their past and they see the painful experience of their life and they see God at work using that pain many times to pull them closer and closer or just to bring them back all together. And sometimes it feels like God's punishing you in the moment, but he's not. He's not paying you back. He's bringing you back because God's all in on you. God is invested in you. God loves you. God cares about you. So this is what Jonah says. Jonah says, well, verse 12, pick me up and throw me into the sea. And it will be calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. Instead, the men did their best to row back to land. But they could not. I, I, I appreciate that. Like, these guys are actually nice guys, right? I would have just thrown him in. That's what I would have done. I would have been like, get out of here. You're overboard. Instead, they did their best to row back to land. But they could not for the sea grew even wilder. Remember, before it said it got rougher and rougher. Now it's gotten wilder. Then they cried out to the Lord, please, Lord, do not let us die. For taking this man's life. It's almost like, well, wait a minute. If God sent a storm because of this guy and we kill him, is God going to get us? So that's what they're thinking about. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man. For you, Lord, have done as you pleased. And then they took Jonah and threw him overboard. And the raging sea grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord. I love this. Like Jonah's pain and punishment was just evangelism. Look at this. These guys are converts now. They used to be pagans. They were rolling dice and Ouija boards a minute ago. They're like, look at at what happens now. These men greatly feared the Lord and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. They're like, oh, we're in. We're in. If this is the God of Jonah, we're in because you control the sea. This is crazy. So they're all in. And the point is this, if you're taking notes, is this, is that when you run from God, he doesn't chase you. He waits for you. So when you think about your life and you think about your season of run, and maybe you're in that season right now and that's maybe what you really need to contemplate. Did somebody like promise to take me to the buffet today and that's why I'm here at church? And it just happened to be that somebody emailed the pastor and said, could you please preach a message like this? And it didn't happen that way. You just happened to be here because God hasn't quit on you. God has invested in you. God's all in on you. God dearly loves you. And you've been running from God. You've been running from wisdom. You've been running from your purpose, which is why life seems so unfulfilling sometimes. You've been running from unconditional love, which is why you long for it in other people, but even that doesn't seem to fully satisfy. And you go on these runs from wisdom and purpose and love and all these things. And what you don't recognize is that God, He's waiting. And this is your moment and this is your opportunity. And sometimes there's even pain. And here's the deal. I actually think that this is, again, this is a story that shows us how life works. When you really look at life, I think sometimes, especially if you have faith in God, a lot of times you look at your negative circumstances and you truly believe, oh, that's God getting me or that's God doing something to me. And I think 99% of the time God's not doing anything. That's just the nature of sin. Have you ever wondered why God is so anti-sin? It's simple. It's because sin hurts you. It's not like God has some arbitrary list to see if you're good or bad or not. That's ridiculous. No, there's just things out there that create harm and death and destruction in your life. And God's like, no, let's avoid those. Because God is a great loving parent. Sin is not this thing where, you know, again, God's trying to see if you're good or bad, in or out, right or wrong, good rule keeper or not. This is, no, no, no. Just avoid this because I love you. Avoid this because this will hurt you. Avoid this because this will bring destruction into your life. And most of the time that we're, we're, we're reaping punishment in our life, that's just sin taking its effect on our life. But in this case, You see, even when it is God, is that God is never, ever punishing to get you back, only to bring you back. And he is patiently and lovingly waiting on you. Now watch this, verse 17. We're about to close here. So it says, now the Lord provided. Now, originally he provided the storm. Now he's providing something else. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. Everybody say next week. Next week, there's a a, a brilliant prayer that Jonah prays. And his prayer is so... Remember, the point of the story has nothing to do with the fish. The point of the story as it begins now is to show us that we're all runners and what that actually looks like, but to show us the very nature and character of God. That God is invested in you. God is all in on you. God dearly cares about you. And he cares about Nineveh the same way he cares about Jonah. And so he's sometimes at work to bring you back, to draw you in, to bring you closer. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I want you to ask yourself this simple question. Am I running? Like I somehow got to church today, but in reality I'm running. Like I'm not connected to God. I don't feel God's presence. I'm not walking in God's wisdom. I've been running. I've been doing my own thing. I thought it'd be more fun. I thought I was smarter. I thought I had it figured out. I thought it'd be better. I thought that I could have the short-term happiness and the long-term happiness and there'd be no consequences. But what I learned is I've been running. Are you running? And if you are, then the invitation is still here. You can always return. What's amazing is, is that you can run for years from God, but return in the blink of an eye. Literally, it takes a moment. It takes a moment for something to turn in your heart for you to say, no, God, I've been running, but I want back. I I need your help. I need your love. I need your presence. I need your wisdom. I want back in. And there's God waiting with open arms saying, yeah, because I'm all in on you. I've invested into you. Here's a question for some of you that are not running with your whole life, but like, hey, where? Where? what area specifically of your life are you running? You know what I'm talking about. Like some of you serve, you give, you pray, you worship. It's, it's not that you don't love God or honor God or wanna know and walk with God, but you got that one area of your life. You got that thing where you kind of put it in a box and you got its own little category and it's its own little thing. And I just, I just shove it over to the side. and I'm like, God, I want you to have my whole life except for this thing. This one's mine. And what I would say is this, is that God so wants to, to bless and help, to be involved, to be a part of that one little area of your life. If you'll just let him in, I promise God wants to bless you. God wants to help you. God wants to strengthen you. And so today, if you're in here and you say, Todd, okay, you got me. That's me. I am Jonah. I am in the story. That's me. And I've been running. And then here's what I want you to do on the count of three. I want you to slip your hand up in the air. Let's just have a moment of honesty and confession with God and say, nope, that's me. I've been running, but I, I'm ready to return on the count of three, one, two, three, and slip that hand up in the air. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've been running. I've been running. Or I got that thing. I got that one box. I don't let God into that box. That's my box. Yeah. This is your moment right here. Let's do this. As a matter of fact, church, can we do something? We want to pray a prayer together, but we're going to pray it all together. We're going to say it out loud. We're all going to do it together so those people that raise their hand, they won't feel awkward or weird in any way. We'll be all in together. Can we do it together? So everybody repeat this little simple prayer after me. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart and change my life. I recognize that I need you. I'm lost and I need to be found. I'm a runner but I need to go home. Lord, I thank you that you love me. That you're for me. Help me to know you And to walk with you today and every day for the rest of my life. It's in your name that I pray. And come on, we all said amen and amen. And give Lord a big hand clap this morning. Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.